I love to evangelize for POR. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future, but rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Kelly McCausey of Love People and Make Money. Joe has been a happy customer of Kelly and her business partners, as you'll hear, for many years. She was also a guest on Kelly's recent Telly Summit talking about productivity and well-being for home-based coaches and consultants. Kelly McCausey is a business coach, blogger and podcaster. In business since 2002, She's all about content marketing and community building. Kelly knows you want to publish content you're proud of for a community you love and turn it all into an opportunity to create profit. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Kelly McCausey of Love People and Make Money. So welcome Kelly, great to have you with me. Oh, I'm glad to be here Joe. thanks for having me. And I spoke for you recently whilst I was in the Netherlands and it was all a bit traumatic because I had to... Uh, rubbish internet and and all that sort of stuff but I'm at home at my desk feeling much calmer today. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) So start by telling us a bit about what you do, who you do it for and where you do it. Awesome well so I'm a blogger, podcaster, business coach. I am all about content marketing and community building. Um, My target market is made up of people who have an area of expertise or a a skill that they want to turn into an online business, whether they're selling information products, running memberships, providing a service, doing coaching and consulting. They need content that attracts and serves a community. Yes. Yeah. And I've known of you for, a long time I don't know how or through you know through which route but um I'm a big fan I have to say <laughs> so really good quality content and just you know great teaching and and I see lots of great activity so I'm really uh, looking forward to speaking today about uh, all the stuff around productivity and how you get things done as well so oh and also where, where are you based I'm in Michigan, East Lansing, Michigan. And do you work from home? I do. I do. Excellent. That's good to know. So tell us a bit about why you do what you do. I I spoke to somebody recently, Dane Shooter, on uh, one of our earlier shows, who is a ghostwriter. And I was saying that he does one of the jobs that we say at the moment, our children sort of half the jobs that they'll do in the future, we don't know what they are yet because they don't yet exist. And I was saying he's a 
a ghostwriter for blogging and that would have been true for him that it, what he does now didn't exist when he was growing up and and I think it's probably similar for you I mean there's always been content for talking about what people do but but never sort of uh, positioned and emphasized in in the way that it is now so yeah. so talk us through about you know what what you did and and why you now do what you do now boy uh if you go back prior to 2002 and and told me that i would one day be fully self-employed have multiple business brands in existence that are profitable and that th that it would all basically have to do with me being opinionated <laughs> i just would have laughed and 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 thought that's ridiculous um but honestly that's that's what that's what drives most of of what i've got going on is um you know i i fell into the work at home mom community back in 2002 i was looking for ways to make extra money from home i found out that i since i knew how to make a simple graphic or or write uh, some words that make sense i found out that there are a lot of people out there who need to have that done who would pay so i started out as a freelancer in the work at home mom community as i served different moms helping them create a graphic or a website my eyes were open to all of the different ways that that moms were finding to make money online and i was fascinated i always wanted to ask questions and that's what led to internet radio in 2003 i started an internet radio show so that i could interview people and ask all the questions i wanted to ask that turned into a podcast in 2004 and then the, what i wasn't expecting it created a community my listeners wanted to spend time with each other like it, it's just it's kind of magical what happens when you start to create content people are drawn in by the content they're drawn to you but they're also drawn to each other and that's that led to a paid membership site <laughs> and a couple of years later i i was quitting my day job and doing it all full time wow quite often people now in this sort of space or internet space work from home space generally see a model of 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 what they want to do and then sort of put everything behind making that happen and i guess those of us who've been around you know longer <laughs> have sort of evolved with with it as it's as it's changed and I mean I, I started uh, working from home in 2005 and sort of got into online stuff a little bit later perhaps 2006-7 and I think things are so different now but then they're also so similar and you know they've said that uh, audio or podcasting is the next big thing for the last ever <laughs> and you know <laughs> here you are telling me you were doing audio all that time ago Talk us through your your sort of thoughts about how this sort of marketplace is, has changed and is changing, or is staying yeah. the same. <laughs> well, 
It does give me a giggle. I it's one of my favorite like little secret guilty pleasures is when somebody who thinks they're a po- a podcasting pioneer. <laughs> um because they've been doing it for like, you know, 8 years. They're like, you know, oh, I've been podcasting from the very beginning. Like I've been podcasting since, you know, gosh, 2014 or something like that. And it's like, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, it is interesting. Um, so I started an internet radio show when it was really hard to do so. Yes. Uh, there were There were no courses out there that taught it. I had to self-educate. I was, I was um, on a basement radio station forums, like back when you go way back then to the very early years of the internet, there were a lot of people doing music radio out yes. of a studio in their basement. And so those were the guys that knew how to stream audio online. There, there were internet radio stations like World Talk Radio, but people were paying a lot of money to have somebody produce those shows for them. They were not self-producing in their own homes. So I had to go to the musicians and ask them, what do I need? Because I couldn't afford to pay a professional outfit to do it with me. So I learned from other just passionate streamers how to do it. But man, the next year when podcasting was invented, that just like took the cork off the bottle and it and it became easier for everyone because mm. then it wasn't about streaming. It was about just delivering the media file through an RSS feed and and it was easy for everyone to do. And there was courses galore. Mm. Um, but but, you know, there were people. So I'm I'm thinking back. And around like between 2004 and 2006, I was helping people start their podcasts. I had a course that I gave away. I helped people like physically help them get their stuff started. So I know I'm personally blessed to have helped hundreds of podcasters get started back then. But a lot of the people that started, just like everything else, there are people who started it who weren't that committed, who gave up. So, yeah, there was a little bit of a bubble bust where everyone said, ah, podcasting isn't going to stick. Yeah. But I always knew, like, my audience was loving it. My audience was growing and I was committed. So I just never believed the nonsense about it. And then when podcasting, like, came back, like this big explosion where everyone's like, yes, podcasting is back and it's here to stay. And I'm like, well, it never left. Um, but, uh, I'm proud to have been doing it this long. Um, and if, if anyone is thinking about podcasting, my, my best advice has always been be committed and be consistent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It does make a a massive difference. I started doing a podcast in 2012 with engage success, which is the 
uh, UK national movement around employee engagement. And I just sort of fell into it because somebody said, oh, let's do this. And can you help? And I was like, yeah, okay. And then he sort of disappeared and I ended up sort of managing it moving forwards. Um, and we had, you know, lots of times at the beginning where we'd be scrabbling around for guests and people would just be coming on. I remember interviewing my co-host because we didn't have a guest that week. And then I said, <laughs> well, I'll inter- you can interview me next week. <laughs> uh, yep. And now we're, we're booking a year ahead. We do a weekly live half an hour and we can't book anyone in sooner than may next year at the moment and um you know that when that changed it just made it so much easier um but it 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 has been about that just consistently you know keep doing it and getting out there and the amount of content you end up with at the end of you know 300 not shows it's just phenomenal isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. huge media footprint yeah so so podcasting is a thing what you, you mentioned having a number of brands um that you're uh out there with what 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 are you actually delivering to your to your clients give us a rundown <laughs> so uh, so love people and make money is my home base and it's my personal brand where i blog and podcast i sell training i run challenges a few times every year I host a live event. It's called Exposure and Profit. I do that in Atlanta in October this year, 2019. Um, So the next thing I do, the oldest thing I have that I do that's another brand is MomWebs. MomWebs is a hosting company. I started it in 2004 with a friend with the idea of offering Work at Home Moms a free hosting company. And that failed, <laughs> but um, there's no money in it. <laughs> yeah, we had an idea of of being like the Geo Cities of the mom world. You know how you could get a free Geo Cities website, yeah. yeah, and it would show Google AdSense. Yeah, that that was kind of our idea, but we it didn't. It was more of a pain in the ass than anything. <laughs> Um, but it did morph into a, a hosting company, a real hosting company. There's re, it's a real, um, not a reseller situation. It's it's um, I have a, a partner, the awesome Scott that my clients adore, and other people involved in keeping that running. So um, that's my oldest project. Um, Beachpreneurs is a partnership with Nicole Dean. We do, this is for women entrepreneurs. We have retreats and events that we hold on the beach. We have a a beach house retreat. We have a beach condo co-working vacation experience, and we have a hotel conference. The the other project that I'm involved in is involves brand rebrandable content are you familiar with plr joe absolutely i think i've got most of yours on my hard drive as we speak <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so so. Our listeners, my listeners may not be actually because i regularly talk to people about plr and they have no idea what i'm talking about so yeah please do, um, explain <laughs> man I, I love to evangelize for plr um plr stands for private label rights so um, the easiest way for a, a newbie to understand it is to think about when you go to the doctor's office and they've got all those pamphlets there. There's like pamphlets for high blood pressure and diabetes and, and everything. And it's got your doctor's name on it. The pamphlet is branded. 
to his office, but you know he didn't write that. You know he bought the license to to use that content and have it printed with his name on it. Mm -hmm. If you ever took a course where you had a textbook at school, you know, the, the school had the permission to share that book with you, but they didn't write it. The teacher who's teaching out of it didn't write it. Mm. PLR is rebrandable content where uh, you can buy a license to use the content and put your own name on it, put your own brand on it, even edit it to better reflect your experiences and opinions. Yeah. So. So at White Label Perks, my partners and I produce content for the business niche, mark business and marketing, and self-development. Mm -hmm. So we're creating content that a coach can take and put their own branding on it, publish it to their blog, use it to record a podcast, record a video, teach a course, do whatever they want. Mm. So... Obviously, I, I use PLR and have done for a long time and, and get it from that point of view. I would imagine some listeners who've never heard of it before, whilst that was a positive description of it, might say, well, isn't that cheating? That's You, know, <laughs> you haven't written it. <laughs> You're pretending you did. How, how does that work? What, what, how would you sort of uh, explain that? It's interesting, um, the question, the issue of isn't that cheating? Um, <laughs> And I can relate to it because I'm the girl who won't use a cheat code on a video game. Like if I can't win it myself, <laughs> I don't want to win it. Um, but the, I write tons of content for myself because I am opinionated. I'm full of it. Um, and yet some of my courses, like I have, I have a course a module-based course that I give to my private coaching and mastermind members that pretty much kick them out from scratch, like with evaluating their skills and expertise and deciding what they're going to sell to, you know, who they're going to serve, what it's going to look like, how, how they're going to build it, uh, and how they're going to promote it. I have expertise to carry them through that whole process except I have no expertise on LinkedIn or Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook ads <laughs> or a whole bunch of other things. So you do not want me to write about that. You do not <laughs> want me to sit down and try to pluck some wisdom out of my behind. Um, you want me to go get expertly written content that I can buy a license to mm -hmm. and then customize and include it in my course. Mm. Yeah. For me, I am for my personal ethic, um, my personal perspective on ethics about the content I publish is that I don't claim to have written it. Yeah. I, I say I had this expertly this was developed by an expert and I yes. have permission to share it with you yeah um or I say presented by like you know I I don't I don't pretend I wrote it no no and I think you know that that 
varies as well. I mean, that that is definitely a way. I've I've done that too, partly because once I bought some PLR videos, so clearly it wasn't me <laughs> doing the training. Yeah. Um, and and that you know works really well. I think um, for me sometimes what I publish has been in effect started by someone else but I have rewritten it into my own words and my own style in the cases where I know what I'm talking about as as we've just been discussing Um, and I think the other side I I, I, this isn't a PLR situation but I I use a particular tool that is uh, that works out strengths for people and Mm -hmm. they have a coaching pack and I bought their coaching pack to do some work with a corporate client and I used their exercises and I you know I was able to copy the actual forms and I was supposed to copy them I wasn't supposed to redo them I had to sort of show that it was their documentation if you like but of course the benefit for the client wasn't in the bits of paper it was in the conversations that we had that I facilitated so yes. you know it was quite clear someone else had, had created the structure but actually it was me in the in the room if you like using my expertise at, at that moment so I think there's all sorts of levels around and as you say things like social media I used to be a social media consultant um, and trainer so in the in the old days I could have written stuff whereas now I don't keep up to date as I would have done if that was what I was specializing in so I probably would take that content and and rewrite it in my own words because I know enough to turn it into my own thing even though there's probably some you know real key strategies now that I'm missing because you know I've I've lost touch sort of thing and so I think it's also quite situational in terms of your expertise and your audience and and how much you do with the content as well isn't it yeah there I do a lot of PLR implementation demo um, from our community, and I show them the different ways that we can implement PLR. We publish a lot of PLR on the MomWebs blog, and we're not claiming ownership. I mean, we're not claiming authorship, but it's a community blog, so nobody expects that I'm the person writing it. Yeah. Yeah. and the, the the question of rewriting it into your own words is really important. That's going to run a, a major spectrum for people. Some people are going to feel like if they have not gone through and and crafted each paragraph into their own words, that, that it's not going to be authentic for them. Mm. I find most often what I'm doing, my two things is I'm running through and deleting what I don't agree with. Yeah. And adding my own opinion. Yeah. I don't rewrite much. It's just a deleting and addition process. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and then, of course, I pepper in links to other content and affiliate recommendations. And <laughs> what do I want you to do next? Yeah. Yeah. So the next sort of natural question for me with that is because one of the ways I use um, PLR is to speed up a bit like you've just said to speed up my own content creation because I'm not starting from scratch you know I've got a sort of template or I've got some ideas or I've got some wording or or however I'm going to sort of um you know cut it and and put it together um so that I can get stuff done quicker um mm-hmm. talking about all the things that you do and as I sort of alluded to at the beginning of the interview you have so much going on and I see a lot of what you're doing because I'm on your lists and uh, th- there's a whole group of you that I know know each other in, including um Nicole that you mentioned earlier um and you you just seem to churn out <laughs> stuff 
all the time. Now, I know some of it is probably because you do PLR, but how do you get stuff done? How, you know, who do you do it on your own? Do you have a team? How do you structure it? Or, you know, all that stuff. Sort of give us a bit of a picture as to how you are so prolific, because that is what I see. And, and, you know, when you're doing PLR, it's like your podcast comment. You have to be consistent, don't you? And you've got people mm-hmm. buying something that you've committed to and you have to keep churning stuff out. And and it's, you know, quality content in in on a regular basis in a ton of different areas as well so it's not like you've got one specialism and and you can keep tweaking it you've got to come up with you know new content all the time as well so how do you run all these businesses and make all these things happen because you sound quite calm (laughs) 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 or is it all a facade (laughs) the plr the plr brands specifically uh i'm not writing if we go back, 2006 was the first time I created PLR. I was writing it back then. But I haven't written anything for to sell as PLR in quite a while. Um, at White Label Perks, it's a partnership. Avery Wilmer is the writer. Uh, Sam is the graphic designer. I'm the marketer. So I have no responsibility other than to help brainstorm topics. My responsibility is to promote it to arrange joint ventures and uh, and spread the word about it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> over Daily Faith PLR is another PLR brand that I run that's focused on the Christian market. I have published a lot of my own writing there, but the, this is what's fun is I'm actually selling content I wrote 15 and 20 years ago. <laughs> Because I was on staff at my church and I co-led a women's ministry, I wrote a lot, a lot back then. Oh, good job you kept it all. <laughs> I did. I kept it all, and and it was and it was published back then in print for the church. So it was never published online, yeah. or published, and it certainly wasn't published as a book or anything. So. Yeah as far as the community that's buying it now, you know, it's fresh content. Yeah. Yeah. That's been fun to leverage stuff that I wrote a long time ago uh, because it is so evergreen. It's, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a uh, faith changes like technology does. No. Um, but there, we still, I work with writers there too. So doing a lot of art sor- outsourcing, in project management to make all of that flow Mm. and and same for my own business i have had a virtual assistant the same va since 2006 who knows my business like the back of her hand Mm. Uh, she manages all my customer service and and keeps track of of the things that um once something is repetitive once I've done it enough times that I can document it, it is outsourced. Yeah, yeah, I love that as a as a principle. It's interesting talking to people about outsourcing. I did a presentation a few months ago, and I was talking about outsourcing. I have a couple of VAs, and um, and so many people were really excited and interested about the concept, and you know, came up to me at the end and wanted to know how it worked and did I have any contacts and all this sort of thing and one of my VAs actually does have some availability and so I said to one of the people you know just get get in touch I can introduce you you know not not a problem and I can help you set it up because I've you know gone through the process with her 
to, to you know make sure she knows what she's doing all that sort of thing um, but it's interesting nobody's since followed up <laughs> and I do think it's a massive um, hurdle I think going to the outsourcing bit and once you've done it you you can't go backwards you wouldn't dream of going backwards because you just know how valuable it is to you but I think people they worry about the cost they worry about the processes they worry about how do they trust people have you got yeah. any tips for, for that because obviously you've been doing it a long time and, and clearly you're in a really privileged position now that you've got somebody that knows you so well you're probably gliding along with that one but uh, yeah so Tisha was actually a personal friend prior to to being a VA she was we were both single parents we were roommates for a little while and she had lost been let go from a job and I said why don't you come work for me like I can pay you what they paid you which mm -hmm. was pitiful um <laughs> but but I can teach you I knew that she had basic administrative skills. I knew she that, that she typed super fast, that she could do transcription, and I knew I could teach her to do anything else. Um, so she said yes, and now um, you know she became up. She's got a full time VA. She's got she's multiple clients. Um, never had to go to work, take another job ever again. The mm. the challenge, the roadblock aside from deciding to spend the money is that when you're used to doing it all yourself, that the, to get started in outsourcing is to slow down. Yeah. Because you have to slow down and document what you're doing and train someone else, be available for their questions. And so a lot of times people just feel like this is supposed to be freeing me up and it's bogging me down. Mm -hmm. And I get it, but it's worth it. You know, you've got to embrace a season of slowing down so that you can speed off once they're up to, you know, once they're up to snuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just be aware of it and be ready to tackle it. Mm -hmm. You, the more time you're willing to embrace in training, the lower your outsourcing costs can be because you can bring on a VA who might work for $20 an hour. But if you yeah. want someone to come in like with killer skills, you need to be prepared to pay them $50 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, you, the, yeah, you have to make that decision. And, and, and as you say, that's sort of part of it. If you know that you've got to slow down to speed up, you don't have to slow down quite so much if you've got people who have got most of the skill. They just need your bit of it. It's the people yeah. that you have to give the whole thing to that it takes longer with, doesn't it? But yeah. uh, as you say, once you've got through that, it does make such a such a massive difference. So when I asked you about um, potential questions to ask you, you, you uh, said that, you know, you call yourself a coach, but coaching isn't your business model and you know we've talked quite a bit about uh what you are offering um i know from the the content i see you create that that you do have a sort of coaching style how, how would you or, or what or why why do you say you're a coach when you're not operating a coaching business as such <laughs> so i am i am a coach I, the reason i say coaching is not my business model is 
that the coaching business model as it is traditionally taught is that um, you spend a lot of time coaching and your primary income streams are driven by the coaching fees that you earn. Yeah. So if a coach wants to make $100,000 a year, they've got to get clients to give them that hundred grand. Mm. So they're either serving 10 clients for 10,000 or 20 clients for 5,000 or, or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's all about the coaching fees. I do have coaching clients. I have, I have a fantastic people power private coaching program um, where, where they have paid $8,000 for the year and they get coaching calls with me, a couple coaching calls every month and they're coming to spend time with me. They're coming to a retreat here in Michigan next month. Mm-hmm. I have um, I have a mastermind where people pay a couple hundred dollars a month to be in a weekly call with me and in a small group of people. I am coaching, but if you add up all my coaching income, it only, represents about 25% of my overall income. That's why I say coaching is not my business model. It's something I do because yeah. I love it. <laughs> and coaching feeds my content creation fire. Yeah. If, if I don't, if I were to stop coaching and I have before said, uh, I'm not going to coach. I'm going to close my program. I'm going to shut my doors um, because I, I don't, I don't need it. I, I don't need to be coaching. I don't need to have dates on the calendar. You know, I have income from all my different businesses. I'm happy camper. But mm-hmm. then when I stop having those conversations with people, when I stop getting my fingers into all of those different businesses, and see how the strategies implement when I don't have that, then my content ideas start to dry up. Yeah. You know, so I coach because I adore it. I'm good at it. Um, And it feeds the overall business. It feeds the health of my overall business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a sort of, keeping in the in the real world talking to people with issues so that you can create solutions to those issues i guess that's part of it isn't it yeah mm, yeah. yeah so what about uh, more practical things so tools and apps what what um what would you say your favorite tools are that you'd recommend ooh um well when you say app my favorite app in the whole world is voxer um, oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Voxer is a walkie-talkie app. Um, maybe you use WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Voxer is, so it's just walkie-talkie. I can send voice messages back and forth with a client. So my coaching clients, if you're a private coaching client, you have Voxer access to me. And so we're only having two calls a month where we're actually on the calendar getting together in the Zoom room. But in between that, um, you can send me a Voxer question on any business day. Mm -hmm. And then I just listen to it as soon as I'm able. 
and I respond as soon as I'm able. So um, I love that versus providing email support. I hate providing email support um, <laughs> because it takes longer. To, yeah. It takes longer to read and compose a response than to just shoot back a voice reply. Mm-hmm. So I love Voxer. I do pay for Voxer Pro, which is $30 a year. Uh, that just lets me save the conversations for a really long time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, gosh, Trello runs my world. You know, Lovely. Um, I've never got my head around Trello. I don't really do visual. I use Asana because it does um, lists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. I have never been in Asana, um, but I've heard lots of people say that, mm. that. That you know that they prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do hear have a lot of people on here saying they prefer pen and paper. <laughs> Yeah, the you know you talk about productivity, keeping myself straight. I do a brain dump. Um, I do a brain dump at the conclusion of any big project, like mm-hmm. as it wraps up. I do a brain dump, um, or like every three months if it's if I haven't had a project wrap, but yeah. I, I start to f- have sticky note problems. You know, I do a big old brain dump. (laughs) Yeah, I get, I I just pour everything out onto sticky notes and paper and sort them together and figure out what they have in common. And then I transfer that to Trello. I have a Trello board that I call now, next, and maybe someday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I sort my ideas into what needs attention now, what needs attention next, and what I'll just think about it maybe someday and then it's all cleaned out of my head. Mm. And, and then all the rest of the time I am laser wicked focused on my list of now projects. Mm. Um, I am not distracted by, by what's over in the next pile until something in the now pile is done. Um, Some, sometimes I, um, so I only use pen and paper in that brain dump phase and for a two days to-do list. Right. I will, from Trello, things get chunked into my calendar. If there's something I need to do versus my team, Mm -hmm. if it's, if there's something I need to do, it gets scheduled on the calendar, just like a phone call. Um, and then, but in the morning or the night before, I do think about what's on, what has to happen tomorrow. And I make a quick checklist on my, on my desk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But other than that, I used to do everything on pen and paper. I was probably one of the most resistant to digital ever. But as my business grew and I had more and more people, you know, responsible for different bits and pieces. Yeah. It has to be digital. Yes. Yeah. Or I'm crippling my team. Yes, absolutely. So we're coming towards the end of the interview. The last couple of questions. Firstly, what do you do when it all goes horribly wrong? When you have one of those days where it doesn't quite work as you planned, how do you deal with that? (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, I'll cry. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, I'll, should I? But yes, good, good response. <laughs> I, um, I have had some really good cries. I have. I'll, I'll definitely tap into my friendship network. I have. There's there there are four or five people in my world who I can send a a voice message to, you know. And and basically scream and and curse and fuss mm. um, about the problem, and they'll you know let me have my say and you know give me a hug and then tell me to get get a grip, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key bit at the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here's here's what's so cool is that. Um, this is what I've, the gift of all these years of being in business and the gift of having these long-standing friendships is that um, I used to, when I, when things would go wrong, I would be pointing outward like this. That's why it's wrong. She's why it's wrong. He's why it's screwed up and, and, you know, fuss and bother and blame. Mm. And after all these years, I realized that at this point, if something goes horribly wrong, it's probably my fault. <laughs> you know, I don't mean that to beat myself up. So when something goes horribly wrong, I love that my friends can hear me spout and then hold up the mirror to say, hey, have you noticed that this has been a problem for you before? Yeah. That it's reoccurring in another situation. What do you think you're bringing that keeps causing this? Mm. And and you know what? I It has probably been a good year since I've had a fit angry about what somebody else did. Because I, I had the mirror turned back on me enough times to just spot, oh, because I don't communicate well, people can't get things done on time. Or yeah. because I'm not keeping because I'm not keeping something organized, you know, mm -hmm. something, a, a ball is dropped, you know, yeah. and that's good friends who will hold up that mirror and let you see clearly what you keep recreating in your business <laughs> yeah. is a precious gift. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what about those days where you, feel like you've had the chance to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that you want to do and less of the stuff that you feel you should do or you have to do what what do those days look like for you oh they look like Florida <laughs> at, the, at the beach a little a little day drinking um and that you guys have to understand day drinking for me and means like surf like um nursing one drink for three hours <laughs> Because I'm not a big drinker. Um, but it's much to do in the daytime, though, isn't it? Well, there's, <laughs> I love Pensacola Beach, is my happy place. That's where we yeah. do our beachpreneurs, beach house, and beach condo events. Yeah. I am, this last year and this next year, I will be snowboarding for five weeks. And um, during that time, I will only be doing like, the occasional coaching call, mastermind call, and the retreats itself. I don't work otherwise. Mm -hmm. So like 
now that I'm home in Michigan right now, I'm in a season of hustle uh, mm-hmm. because then in the winter, I don't have to work very much. Yeah. But yeah. my happy place is being able to just chill out and be present with my friends and enjoy the beautiful fresh air and and not worry about you know what has to happen next, what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Such a yeah. pleasure to to have true downtime. Mm-hmm. And I love that phrase, happy for, happy place. I I talk about my happy place being in my caravan, and I'm not long to uh, to going off in it for a number of weeks. <laughs> so, Yay! Yeah, I'll still be working, but I'll be in my happy place. <laughs> lovely it's been really lovely talking to you Kelly really insightful and and just great to talk to somebody sort of that's been doing a lot of this sort of seemingly new online stuff for such a long time so it's been a really interesting conversation thank you for joining me and and tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you well definitely come on over to lovepeoplemakemoney.com to connect with me And if you're a woman who would love to spend some time with us in Florida in the winter, go to (laughs) beachpreneurs.com. That's quite compelling, isn't it? (laughs) Brilliant. Thanks, Kelly. Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true, or maybe wondering how it'd fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no-obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com slash calm call. Use your power to live more.